Welcome to Catholic Views. I'm your host, Renee Brands. On today's show, we have a very special guest, Dr. Ray Garendi, who you probably all know from EWTN Radio and TV. He's going to come in and talk to us about um, Catholic family life and uh, a celebration of life and families. I had to remember what it was. <laughs> he is always a hoot. If you've ever listened to him on the radio, you know he just really tells it like it is, and he's just a lot of fun. It was a really good interview. So we have to first... First, we have to bring in the other doctor. The other doctor. Dr. Chris Bergwald. The other doctor. <laughs> For some biblical advice with Dr. B. Um, so, I, I know, doctor, so is that he's coming for an event? He is. He'll be here on June 24th, about a week, oh, just a little over a week, yeah. um, for Celebration of Life and Families event, which will be at O'Gorman on Saturday the 24th. That's, yeah, that's, I heard they got an amazing Oh, now I'm not going. <laughs> uh, Renee. Dr. Bergwald. What's today? Oh, we haven't. Okay, we didn't get the uh-huh. bites last oh, week. So, uh, third Sunday of Ordinary Time? No, that's that's in. <laughs> so, for those of you who couldn't hear because what? the mic's not on, at least just said, what? <laughs> what? The third Sunday in Ordinary Time. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, 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 okay. 12th? Very close. Very close. 11th. 11th. So to be fair, so I just want to take a minute here. <laughs> it's not January. It's not Renee. January or February, <laughs> Renee. No, it is not. This is one of the things. We, come, we finish the Easter season this Pentecost Sunday. The next Sunday is Trinity Sunday, but, but, but ordinary time begins right after Pentecost Sunday. But that the, even though so that next week, I think, was like the eighth week of ordinary time. Right. But the following Sunday was not the ninth Sunday in ordinary time. It was Trinity Sunday. Right. And then the Sunday after that was not the 10th Sunday ordinary time. It was Corpus Christi Sunday. So even though the weeks are ordinary, so we have up. these special Sundays right. right after Pentecost. Right. After the season. So now we're kind of back into. My apologies just if I confused anyone. <laughs> the 11th Sunday in ordinary time. Uh, do you know where, where, where we're in? A, B, or C? C, I think, if I remember right. Am I wrong? C. A. 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 The guys. <laughs> <laughs> so Matthew, Matthew is the gospel, right, right, right. and it's the gospel reading that I, I really want to key on for the, the few minutes we have left. Um, this is Matthew chapter 9. At the sight of the crowds, Jesus' heart was moved with anger and vengeance at them. Is that what it says? No, that's not what say, it says. I was going to say, what is this? Right. Renee's like, what? what? I'm sorry, have I dropped into a wormhole somewhere? <laughs> at the sight of the crowds, Jesus' heart was moved with pity for them because they were trembled troubled and abandoned like sheep without a shepherd then he said to his disciples so i'm looking at you two in the room here with me right now because even though we know as we'll see concretely in a moment he's talking about the 12 mm-hmm. it doesn't say just the apostles right he said he said to his disciples the harvest is abundant but the laborers are few so ask so ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. And then he does it. Mm-hmm. Then he summoned his 12 disciples. So those are the 12 mm-hmm. apostles and gave them authority over unclean spirits, to drive them out and to cure every disease and every illness. The names of the 12 apostles, are these, and then we get the list. Right. Jesus' heart is moved with pity, not anger, not vengeance. The second uh, reading at mass is Romans, um, which talks about how, Jesus died for us. God loves us even though we were still sinners. Mm-hmm. Jesus has pity on us. And not like, uh, 
think there's look how sad you guys are. You guys are pathetic. (laughs) That's not pity. (laughs) Right. Uh, He desires what is best for. He loves us, Mm -hmm. as again we read in in Paul. Um, He wants what's best for us. So what does he do about it? So what I love, like we just we know because we just read it. But I think if you if you described who God is, omnipotent, all powerful, all knowing, and God has this problem. So God, who's all know, all knowing, all powerful, omnipotent, and so on, what's he going to do? Well, he'll solve the problem. Yes, but through others. Right. He invites first the 12 apostles, mm-hmm. but then all of us into this work to harvest, uh, to, 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 do, to, to, to work the yeah. harvest. Yeah. We're all invited to take part of this. And the other thing, so this is, there's a problem that needs to be solved. There's a work needs to be done. And God's response is, it's all right, guys. I got it. Well, he does got it through you and me. Right, right. Through the 12 then and through you and I today. Um, Sometimes we actually mistake that, I think. We think God's just going to take care of everything and we just have to exactly, step back, which is exactly, not true. Which is not true. We've got a part to play. Now, in particular, what we see here, though, is it's not what are the what are the what kind of authority does Jesus give? What kind of authority does he give to the apostles? Do you remember what uh, over, I said? Over unclean spirits. Yes, and right. to cure every disease and every illness. It's not just saying words. Right. Not just saying lovely words. It's not just saying true words. There's power right. that comes with the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think sometimes we don't experience that because we don't know it ourselves, but it's true. He saves us. Yeah, and we really need to remember. Amen. Thanks, Doctor. You bet. On today's show, we have Dr. Ray Garendi. In, well, not in the house, but on Zoom. Welcome, Dr. Ray. Thanks, Renee. Yeah, we wanted to bring Dr. Ray on because he's actually going to be in Sioux Falls uh, in a couple weeks. Is that right? Two, like less than two weeks. My attorneys told me to be a little <laughs> nervous about going to someplace called Sioux Falls. I, I don't know. I'm going to watch everything <laughs> I do and say. Now, I know you've been here before, so... <laughs> I have seen you here uh, for a Real Presence Radio dinner, I believe it was, a couple years ago. i got to come up with new material now, don't I? <laughs> you do, because we've seen you. Uh-huh. <laughs> you better practice. So, um, Dr. Ray is well known for his radio show, The Doctor's In, which um, around here we hear on Real Presence Radio, usually around noon, uh, as well as many books, including his most recent book, Simple Steps to a Stronger Marriage. He has an EWTN TV show, Living Right with Dr. Ray, and he is a clinical psychologist and husband and father of 10. I don't know how you do it. I let my wife do it. I UPS her things about every couple of weeks. And then I'd call home and say, honey, anything okay? How's how's the meetings with the parole officers? All right, all good? What are the ages of your kids? Well, at one point, they were all under 12. So oh, my gosh. 12, 11, 10, 10, 9, 7, 4, 3, 2, baby. Now it's 36 to 23. So oh, wow. Okay, so no more. I, well, well, here's the thing. We have one left okay. at home. When she leaves, we are getting into a parent protection program. <laughs> They're going to alter our identities, relocate us in Montana. <laughs> Well, you shouldn't have said where they're relocating you. Now they're yeah, going to. We're off the grid. It's a big. It's a big state. They'll have they're a hard time finding you. <laughs> All right. Well, Doctor Ray, we're gonna we're gonna actually learn a little bit about you because many of us know you from your radio show and so on, but I have never heard your personal story. 
How so, have you lived up to now, Renee? I don't know. I don't know. Oh my. It's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> Anxiety levels got to be off the charts. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, you, would you mind by starting to tell, starting off by telling us a little bit about yourself? And then um, there's a story I want you to tell about, uh, I, I heard this on your radio show, gosh, maybe a couple months ago, about um, you were going to be an engineer. And yeah. then you decided to be a psychiatrist, a psych- psychologist. Did I say that right? Psychiatrist, psychologist. Which one? Psychologist. psychologist. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so if you will tell us a little bit about yourself and then that story would be great because I want to, I think it's very inspirational. I was born in Canton, Ohio. Does that city ring a bell? It sure does. And we went to St. Anthony Parish, which was the home of a woman named Rita Rizzo who became Mother uh, Angelica. Yes. St. Anthony was the Italian parish. In Canton, uh, if you're Italian, it was law. Uh, you had to go to St. Anthony's. That's okay. just the way it was. Okay. So uh, in Canton, Ohio, I grew up, Italian Catholic family, drifted out of the church in my 30s. Mm. I, I made it through college without drifting out, but into my 30s, I got kind of sloppy. I more or less said, hey, God's God, Jesus is Jesus. Let me go somewhere where I'm comfortable. So I spent eight years out of the church, oh, out of the Catholic church sure, anyway. Sure. And then I started to get very confused. Oh. I kept looking at the Protestant world saying, what is truth? What is morality? What can you believe? What can you not believe? They disagree on this. They disagree on that. And I couldn't live like that. As you said, I started out in engineering at Case Tech in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Now in engineering, you can't agree to disagree. You can't say, well, you have your formulas and I have my formulas. And I think, <laughs> I think, you know, whatever formulas are realistic to you is what really matters because one of us has the wrong formulas and a bridge falls down. Right. And I got that way with my faith. I, I didn't know what to believe. Sure. Can you kill a baby in a womb or can you not? I mean, some Christian denominations say you can. Can you divorce and remarry or not? Some say, most say you can other mm-hmm. than the Catholic Church. Uh, can you lose your salvation? You know, where I was, you can't lose your salvation. Confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you're in. That's it. Ball game over. You're made to call for God. Right. I was, I, I'll tell you, Renee, I was messed up. Mm-hmm. I came very close to leaving Christianity because I didn't know what it was. Yeah. And I looked back at the Catholic Church. I looked back at her answers. I looked back at the early church fathers. I said, okay, I'm not as smart as you guys so let me hear what you have to say about all this. And because of that, I scratched and clawed my way by God's grace back to the church. Interestingly enough, when I was a freshman at Case Tech, I was told to go engineering because the counselors, I had high math scores. So they said, oh, you need to be an engineer. Yep. And all I thought was, okay, living in a caboose, that'd be kind of fun. Okay, <laughs> I can do that. And I remember my first engineering class, I raised my hand, I felt kind of stupid because I asked the prof, do those trains really go as fast up close? So <laughs> I flunked. I terribly flunked physics two, my second semester. Oh, yeah. I got a 31. Well, physics is terrible. Oh, <laughs> you can't recover from a 31. No. There's no way. No. So I thought, this might not be for me. Mm-hmm. I called home, told my mom, Mom, I'm transferring into pre-law. I want to be a lawyer. Okay. That's right. And I thought, well, what, what, do you, what do you need to be a lawyer? Psychology, that's it. I'll get into psychology. Now, one thing led to another, and 
little by little, inch by inch, I kept going right. in psychology. So it's really a good thing I flunked that physics two test because I don't know if I'd be sitting somewhere as an engineer with the wrong formulas. I don't know. Yeah, you don't seem like an engineer type, to be honest. Well, my son is. My oldest son okay. is. Okay. He's a, he's a geek. Sure. And he, he came to me and he showed me his master's thesis and says, hey, dad, you were in engineering. You remember this? And I looked at it. I said, Andrew, the only thing I understand is the and an. <laughs> that's pretty sad. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> but, you know, that story to me is really um, inspirational because uh, I think there's a lot of uncertainty. At least there, there is now, especially as you get into your job and people change jobs a lot, even careers. So it's okay to go into something, even if you don't know for sure if that's the right thing, because you can find the right thing. It's not impossible at all. So I found, I found that story really helpful. Well, people say, well, I don't know what God wants me to do. Right. And as my wife says, well, it's pretty clear what God wants you to do. He wants you to live a virtuous life. Right. Now, now when you decide what career direction or family direction you're going to go, you step out. And you see, mm -hmm. you, can't, you can't predict where you're going to find satisfaction. You move ahead. Right. And then you find out, oh, well, this isn't for me. All right, let's see what else is there. Mm -hmm. That's what happened. I changed my major three times oh, wow. before I got into yeah. psychology. Yeah. Well, and you know, even for me, uh, I went to school for journalism. and uh, I work still like you. <laughs> I still like you. <laughs> that was a long time ago, Dr. Ray. Uh, I graduated college in 1996, so it was a long time ago. Oh, you're a pop. But, <laughs> but at that time, of course, there was not all this writing on the internet and so on. So I only worked in journalism for about a year. And then after that, I had all kinds of jobs, just different things. And uh, came back to journalism eventually. And I just I just think it's okay to not be sure and and to kind of flop around a little bit. Do so. they allow serious Catholics in journalism? I don't know if they do anymore. I'm wondering <laughs> about that. You get canceled out tomorrow, and, girl. And maybe that's why I only worked in it for a year at that time. But now I have to work for the church, see? <laughs> we need you. I know. You're right. We do. Um, if you just joined us, we're talking to Dr. Ray Garendi. Um, so, Dr. Ray, you are going to be speaking at a, an event in Sioux Falls on June 24th called The Celebration of Life and Families. Um, it is uh, marking the one-year anniversary of the overturning of Roe v. Wade, um, but also just a celebration of families and, and life in general. So you, you told me before we, we kind of started this show that you're an amateur pro-lifer, but <laughs> um, I know you probably do some things here and there. So how did you get involved in, in the pro-life movement? We adopted our kids. Yeah, you did. All 10 of our kids are adopted. All 10? All 10. Okay. Yeah. Initially, we thought we could adopt one or two. And you know how people have the long journeys toward adoption and they, and they spend 72 grand and they finally adopt a child. Well, we adopted a little boy, little girl, rather smoothly. This was 30 some years ago. Mm -hmm. And then we discovered a secret. And it's still kind of true today, not as much as it was then. Mm -hmm. The secret is if you don't care about the race, oh. you can adopt quicker. Sure. I remember I asked an adoption worker, this was about halfway through our adoptions. I said, if we want to adopt 
a little black baby boy. How long would we wait? She said, what are you doing tomorrow? Oh my goodness. Yeah, because they the little adopted parents were afraid of adopting kids sure. of other races because everybody's scared. And, you know, what are you going to do about their culture? What are you going to do about socialization? Mm-hmm. I remember one time I really got a black social worker mad at me because oh. we were, I was on the radio and she said, what about their culture? And I said, well, I'm their dad. So my culture is their culture now. Oh, oh, boy, did she get irate about that? I bet she did. I yeah. said, what culture do you want me to keep alive? I said, birth mom was a crack prostitute. Birth dad, we have no idea where he is, probably in trouble with the law. What do you want me to keep alive? Right. When you get old like me, you can say stuff like that. <laughs> so, get off my lawn. <laughs> that, you sound like my husband now. <laughs> so, so I'm going to ask a dumb question after you just said that. So do you do anything with your children uh, who are not white um, as far as their culture? Or do you... Do you let them learn that as they go? Three white, two Hispanic, Mm -hmm. two biracial, three black. Okay. For the most part, the most, most part, race has not been any part of our life. Right. These are my children. Yeah. You know, like I tell my son, my my youngest son, Peter's 26. He's black. I say, Petey, I said, think about the ridiculousness of this. I said, you have a little more pigment in your skin than I do. And I said, I'm Italian in the summertime. I catch up to you. Right. <laughs> so I said, do you think how ridiculous this is? That somehow, some way, because of a pigment in your skin, that you're not my son? Right. He thinks it's so ridiculous. He, he, just, he just can't fathom it. Right. You know, the Hispanic children, no, that's not a problem. They, they're Italian. They look like me. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's never really been an issue. Now, there has been some stuff that has been pushed on the kids. Sure. Oh, I have no doubt. People will say, well, don't you feel like, you know, maybe you don't quite belong? Or or maybe, you, do you ever wonder, you know, where your birth parent was, your real mom? And I remember one time somebody said that. We were in line at an amusement park. Oh, gosh. And the lady said... Do you ever wonder where their mom is? Just like that. And my wife said, yeah, their mother is standing in line wanting to buy him tickets for a ride. (laughs) Right in front of you. Yeah. (laughs) That is a bizarre question to ask a total stranger. Wow. Wow. Um, Okay. So obviously for you guys, you have a big family and you've done that on purpose, very on purpose. Tax deductions. I didn't pay taxes for years. <laughs> See, now you have it right. Because as I said, my husband and I, we, we don't have any children and we are taxed like yeah. crazy. So you had the right idea. We did that I pre- wrong. I appreciate you covering me. <laughs> hey, no problem. Thanks. <laughs> um, so obviously you see family as the key to the Catholic life. So can you, uh, how, how are families key as Catholics? We live in a culture, Renee, that says you can have sexual relationships anywhere, anyhow, with anyone, any number, any time that you want, and we will clap and we will applaud you. Mm -hmm. There's only one place where we will give you untold grief. That's if you're married 
and you have more than 1.86 children. <laughs> After that, you start to get abused. Right. Do you know how this is happening? <laughs> well, don't you have a television? You're sucking up the rainforest. <laughs> I remember one time when some lady said to me, she goes, are these all your children? And I went, no, the oldest is at home with the triplets. <laughs> She probably just about fell over, huh? I mean, I tell you the abuse that faithful, God-seeking mothers who want to have more than their allotted 1.86 children get mm -hmm. is unconscionable. Yeah, yeah. Unconscionable. Yeah, agreed. Well, you, you have two girls, so so you're trying for your boy, right? Yeah. You're a lousy. You're, you get permission. I can't tell you how many mothers have come to me and said, I know when I was pregnant with my third child, the nurse came in or the doctor came in and started handing me pamphlets. Oh, my goodness. On birth control. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's all everywhere. You can't imagine what they do to these mothers. Ugh. Unbelievable. It's upside down completely. That's terrible. So, so it's really important that we, as Catholics, but just as people, really reinforce family and how important that is to our society because we're definitely not going in the right direction. So we need well, something better. Well, you know the irony. All right, so let's say you have somebody who has five children mm -hmm. and they've gotten their share of grief as they've raised their children. Now the children are grown. And for the most part, they have a reasonable relationship with most of the five. That come up, some of them have rejected the faith. Some of them have drifted, but for the most part. But then you had a parent who had one kid, maybe two kids, and that kid moved across the country. And the parent's elderly now. The parent's mm -hmm. lonely. And that kid is living their own lives. You're a journalist. Forgive the, forgive the plural pronoun. Nope, I'm not even editing you as you speak. Thank you. <laughs> so, and, and there's a sadness to them. And yes. I remember our priest once said, as he dealt with an awful lot of those parishioners, he said, you know, you, you made your decision mm -hmm. 30 years ago, 40 mm -hmm. years ago. Um, so, so in fact, you, you can't, you can't tell people how rewarding it is until they experience it. Right. It's foreign to them. Right, right. It's like a person who says, I don't know if I can adopt because I'm not sure I could love a child that I adopt uh, as much as maybe if I had a kid biologically. Mm -hmm. And I'll say, well, you won't know that until you have the child. Right. My Very son true. asked me that once. Yeah, yeah. He said, hey, hey dad, he's about 14. He says, hey, dad. Would you love me more if, mm -hmm. and he was stumbling around. And I said, you mean if you were born to be in mom? Yeah, yeah, dad, that's it. And then I said, Andrew, who do I love more than anybody in the world? Now, I was nervous because my wife was standing behind me. So I'm <laughs> hoping he got this answer right. <laughs> he said, mom. I said, that's right. Am I related to mom? Oh, he yeah. Said, no. Now, if my daughter had asked that question and I gave her that answer. She would have said, well, I think a lot of it depends on what you mean by love. I think oh. there are several aspects of love that one might consider. So I'm glad he's just a boy and he went outside and threw the ball off the roof. <laughs> and, the, and the conversation was over, that, right? That was over, two sentences over. Oh gosh, okay. So I wanna talk a little bit about, before we run out of time, um, if you would tell us a little bit about your new book, because uh, actually this this has a lot to do with this event that's going to be coming up. Uh, it's the book, Simple Steps to a Stronger Marriage. 
Um, I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but why should someone read it? About 80% of marriages end in divorce mm-hmm. because basically the people quit liking each other. Yeah. I don't like you anymore. It's not that there's pathology in the marriage, pornography, gambling, alcoholism, abuse, adultery. No, it's just we've grown apart. Mm-hmm. So there are two aspects. One is what I call the law of social entropy. Okay. You get sloppy, you get lazy. Uh, the good words decay, the manners decay. All the things that you did early in the relationship decay. Mm-hmm. So the simple steps are just things to bring it back. The other is the hostility. I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. I don't like you. Mm-hmm. It's not worth me even doing these little things to make our marriage better. In the book, about half of it is devoted to what I call resistance rationales. That is, and any therapist will tell you this, you can give somebody the greatest ideas in the world, but you got to get them past their resistance to doing it. Oh, right. And that's what a large part of the book is. I take the common resistances that people have to doing these little things, Mm -hmm. tiny little things that would make a dramatic effect on their marriage. Mm -hmm. And then I answer all of them. Yeah. Why do you not want to do this? Yes. And let me show you why your resistance is not making any sense for you. Right. It it sounds like it'd be really helpful for a lot of uh, established marriages, because I think certainly things uh, can start to drift apart as you're together longer, especially after the children leave. Yeah. But also for new marriages, um, because why not start out right? (laughs) Right. Well, one of the small steps. Yeah. Use your manners. Mm -hmm. We spend all kinds of time with a five-year-old trying to teach him to use manners. Right. How much manners do we use in our marriage? Mm -hmm. Hey, get me a cup of coffee, would you? Right. Where's the please? Where's the thank you? Mm-hmm. Where is this? It's gone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or I'll say, for example, one of the small steps is listen a minute. That means don't say anything when your spouse is telling you something. Right. Because because I ask spouses in therapy, do you know why your spouse thinks that? No. Have you asked? No. How long have you been married? Twenty four years. They haven't even listened a minute enough. To be able to say, well, this is why they think that. I think it's ridiculous. I don't agree, but at least I know why they think that. Right. Listen a minute. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. All right. Um, so the Celebration of Life and Families event is Saturday, June 24th, beginning at 9 a.m. at O'Gorman High School in Sioux Falls. Dr. Ray will be the speaker. Uh, we're not really sure if he's speaking once, twice. We're not really sure how exactly that's working. But there will be Mass. I believe Bishop DeGroote is saying Mass. I Don't quote me on that, but we, there will be Mass. Um, vendors, games, a dunk tank. Dr. Ray, are you going to be in the dunk tank? They told me the drunk tank. I oh. said I was going to be in the drunk tank. <laughs> that does sound more fun. Okay. <laughs> um, there will be inflatables and food trucks, and the festivities go until 4 p.m., so bring your families. Um, it should be a really, a really good time, so... Dr. Ray, thank you so much for being with us today. I really appreciate you taking time out of your very busy schedule. Ah, oh, Renee, it was a delight. Thank yes, you. Thank you. All right. If that if you haven't found us on social media already, you can always find us at Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and on YouTube at SF Diocese. That is it for us today. Hope you'll join us again next week for more Catholic Views.